It is the Fan Morning Show on a Friday. Justin Cuthbert and Brent Gunning with you this morning after... There, it is a, a low-key busy night in the world of sports. It's not like it's an abundance of headlines, abundance of things for us to dig into. But uh, World Cup continues. National Bank open. You had a CFL game last night. Of course, the Blue Jays concluding a four-game set with the Cleveland Guardians in somewhat, I would say somewhat, in a pretty disappointing fashion, actually. Yeah, that uh, that all sounds well and good for everybody out there. I went and enjoyed my life last night. Uh, but yeah, I hope you're all watching the uh, National Bank Open presented by Rogers, of course, a wonderful property that you should watch on Sportsnet and stream on Sportsnet now. Yeah, and bad news for the Canadians. We'll get that National Bank Open uh, update uh, done with. I, for one, am floored. Layla, not surprised. Layla Fernandez out, Milos Raonic out. So uh, the field is dwindling, uh, and it will culminate this weekend in a champion. Have you been following the Edmonton Elks story, by the way? Uh, half. I follow it when when Daniele tells me about it. Uh, I, if I will. <laughs> so what has Danielle told, Daniele told you about just it? Just whatever he writes here. Just like, hey, guess this will shock you guys. They lost at home again. Yes, they uh, did. So yeah, that's that's the extent I've been following it. And it feels like I get like a bi-weekly check-in. It's they're, they're still losing. And I know it's football, so that's like two games, but still. Well, they lost again in the most dramatic fashion, though, because, uh, you know, we weren't even thinking about Because, of course, the story is uh, they have the longest losing streak at home in basically professional sports in North America uh, of all time, uh, surpassing a team that does not exist anymore more than a century ago in Major League Baseball earlier this summer. Uh, but we weren't really, like, talking about it because Winnipeg Blue, Blue Hold Bombers on, are a baseball town. team lost that many games in a row? That feels yeah. so much yeah. worse. But that wasn't like, in the notes? so much. Oh, I didn't. I, I'll be honest. Like, it wasn't in the notes. There's a lot of skimming of the notes. Skimming of the notes. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. Anyway. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers in town. They're the class of the CFL's West Division. There's no way they're going to have trouble with the Edmonton Elks, who, of course, again, have not won at home and do not win many football games at all anymore, despite being one of the most important franchises, I guess, to the CFL. But the Edmonton Elks are up 22 to nothing in this game. Mm. And guess what happened? Oh, <laughs> They they chargers it, I think, is they what happened. It. They still lost. So the streak continues. I'm not sure if the Edmonton Elks will win a game this year, but they did not win a game last night. Uh sucks for them. Love it for the story. Hope they never win again, quite honestly. Sorry, guys. You're like great rebrand. <laughs> it's the only it's, it uh, is, that's the thing. It's not a great rebrand. No, no, but it is. It's like they it's changed a, the name to the Elks. It's the only one in the history of mankind that hasn't that sounded that hasn't Ooh. sounded dumb right off the hop. Like again, I'm gonna give him a shout out nice and early here on a Friday. Sorry to our guy Andrew. Commanders is tough. He's a big commanders it's guy. Tough. It's it's maybe the absolute worst. It's bad. Guardians. Kind of Guardians stinks. is bad. I will admit I'm like very slowly becoming not around to it, but normalized to it. But every time a team changes their name, guess what? It stinks. And Elks, cool logo, name is fine. They deserve better, but I love that this uh, this story continues. It to be will. perfectly honest, you know me. I love to I love to uh, enjoy other people's misery. Just uh, yeah, a bit. you do. Yeah, you definitely definitely do. I don't know if this is misery or it's uh, a life worth living. Uh, mm. But Phil Mickelson surely made both. the most news just yesterday. So we're clear. Both. Yeah, definitely both. Uh, in our world, at least, uh, a new book from Billy Walters, who apparently is the self-proclaimed greatest gambler of all time. Anyway, he wrote a new book after, or shortly after, getting out of uh, prison, called "Gambler: Secrets from a Life." Then of he did risk. a lot of writing in prison. Did he do a lot? Well, I would just think. I mean, like, but I know me. Fair. If I'm going to write a book and I have 
a, a certain amount of time in the clink, and I guarantee you he has used that term before. He has definitely referred to jail as the clink before. Okay. I just feel like what else are you doing in there? Like, I mean, you know, push-ups and other yeah. things, but I would imagine maybe you put a pen to paper or at least, like, you know, formulate some ideas. Can, they, the- can <laughs> they put pen to paper? Great question. I don't know. For the most ambitious of the incarcerated, writing a book is, uh, is yeah, right up there in terms of activities. Uh, so, yes, Billy If Walt- I'm ever Walters in jail, just I'm putting that on my, uh, my, clink, my clink list if I'm I don't ever know. in jail. I don't, uh, for some reason, I don't think you're going to write a book in jail. Uh, here's what I'll have. I'll have a wonderful narrative podcast it, all formulated up here, right. ready to rock, and right. then I'll just go lock myself in an audio booth for like uh, three days. Yeah, but you could bring uh, like a sound recorder, should, you'd be set. I should clarify, I would like life to go in a way that I do not have to take this mission on, but That's if fair. it ever happens. Uh, anyway, among the chapters he wrote in uh, The Clink, uh, <laughs> one was about Phil Mickelson, and three important notes from his, uh, from his excerpts on Phil Mickelson. He alleges, because he used to gamble with Mickelson, that Mickelson allegedly placed in excess of $1 billion in bets over various sports over a 30-year time period. Amazing. He also apparently tried to bet $400,000 on the 2012 Ryder Cup, which he participated in, and Walters estimates that Mickelson incurred losses of upwards of $100 million over the past three decades. So my, my <laughs> number one thing from this is Phil's a terrible gambler. Like this is Billy Walters is the guy is Billy Walters, mm-hmm. who is the self-proclaimed best gambler ever, not giving any inside tips to Phil Mickelson other than the stocks that got him in jail the uh, there's definitely some of that going on what jumped out to me was I think it kind of tells you about the behavior that you see was the one day where he made what was it 43 different bets in major league baseball baseball bets and lost 143 thousand dollars that day so like you know how that happens we all know how that happens that's a tough day at the office well well, like let's just be real phil didn't sit down at the very start of the day and goes ah here's the 43 plays i like i'm gonna take the first five here i'm gonna take over total no he clearly placed down 20 bets to start the day in baseball and started losing and started chasing and going oh this pen is tired i'm gonna jump all over it and yeah you're right terrible gambler the other thing that jumped out to me a lot about this is my wife actually asked me a great question when i was talking to her about this she said who's more of a gambler like who's more of a degen michael jordan famous gambler or Mm -hmm. phil mickelson i said i think phil's worse because what we know about michael is he likes to bet like he'll go play cards whatever but it's all like games of skill he wants to play cards he wants to play golf he'll play you in basketball phil mickelson is just like I need to get 43 Major League Baseball bets off. Like, look, we all love baseball here. That is insane behavior. Like, all of it. When you guys text in on the Wake and Rake, and please get your submissions in. We'd love to do one at the tail end of the show. Back-to-back wins. Look at us. Uh, Spoiler alert. Speak on both sides of our mouths here. I'll be hammering. I'll be (laughs) hammering the Jays and Cubs under, because why not continue to take that? But when you look at it, it's like even people who are texting in like, oh, I like like Eugenio Suarez over to – I'm like, God – Figure it out. What are we doing? Betting Eugenio Suarez over bases. And Phil Mickelson was doing that 40 some odd times a day. It's just, it's nuts. Here's the thing though. This is the other part of it is, you know, Michael Jordan, the whole, like he's probably the most famous, like athlete or famous gambler. It's like, does he have a gambling problem? Well, can he afford it? Then no. Like, it's not hurting anybody. It is insane behavior, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure this has put Phil in, 
I don't know, problems. It's added to his, you know, personal issues. I'm sure all that's why his golf legacy is tarnished. Totally. Because guess what? He's made $96 million on the PGA yep. Tour and lost $100 million betting sports. Yep. But I don't, like, again, like, I'm not, I'm going to sit here and laugh at it. I think it's an amazing story, but it's like, does he have a problem? I don't know. If he can pay for it, I guess not. Like, this isn't, like, he's not a drug addict. It's not killing him. I mm. know doctors out there are going to be like, ah, the stress and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, agreed. Like, I'm not telling you it's great for his health, but I don't know, so long as he can afford it and he's not passing checks out in Durham and trying to fly back to the States and getting arrested like uh, our former NFL player we'll talk about wait, later wait in the, the show. Alice, wait for the A-list. Yeah, yeah. Then you're going to, then I just don't, I don't look at it as anything other than a hilarious story that makes me laugh. It's like, I guess it's a little sad, but I just really can't see that side of it with him. It's also a little exaggerated, obviously, by the numbers. Like, clearly, he has a severe gambling addiction. If you're playing 43 bets mm-hmm. on a single day in Major League Baseball, yeah, there's a, there's something that's a little bit gone wrong. For sure. There's a, a couple synapses aren't firing the way they're supposed to fire. But a billion dollars in bets, this guy's making, uh, over the course of his career, he's making $60 million a year uh, in a tweet from Matt Vincenzi on Twitter. I so love this So $60 million dollars a year, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to be able to put together a bankroll that's worth a decent amount of money. And it is easy, despite us never getting to the point where we're ever going to total a billion dollars in mm-hmm. bets. It is easy if you bet all the time and win and lose and maybe hit at a 48% clip to not really lose all that much right away to slowly dribble away money and to slowly dribble away money that could amount to $100 million and you not having that big of it and not having that big of an impact on you because you're making sixty million dollars a year now. Clearly, it did. I think something definitely happened here. Well, this is also like, why hey, he went to live. Yeah, right? I have to go to live because these things have added up a little bit. And if I'm going to maintain my lifestyle, I need a cash influx. I can't win on the PGA Tour anymore. I could just you know make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but that's not a scr- that's going to scratch the itch that mm-hmm. I have and clearly still have. Despite him saying that, yeah, I don't have a gambling problem anymore. We just saw him, Bryson DeChambeau, speaking in. In a different language when they were talking mm-hmm. about how they were going to make their round, their latest round in live a little bit more interesting. And that was fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Fascinating stuff. Just listening to him and Bryson talk about that because that is interesting. And what I get from this the most is, well, that's how you sell a book. Yeah. $1 billion in bets for a guy that people are interested in. There's already a book that I'm supposed to read that's still on my coffee table by Alan Shipnuck, mm. I believe, about Phil Mickelson. I'm still trying to get to that. Wish I had read that before this news came out because it would offer some context. However, this is a guy who is polarizing. This is a guy. So if you attach a polarizing number to a mm-hmm. polarizing person, that's going to work in uh, in selling books. And clearly Billy Walters, who just got out of the clink, trying to sell some books here. Well, and it's perfect because it just like it goes to everything we already knew about him. Like there's that famous like voicemail out there of Phil Mickelson talking about going to play somebody in golf. And it's like, I can't wait to get on a bird and go steal those guys money. Like he just... Loves it. Like, for him, the action is the juice. Shout out, he mm-hmm. sick movie. Like, when I look at when I look at him, it's like, this is the part of him that I think somebody like me who's like, ah, nerdy Phil, couldn't stand him for his whole golf career. I'm like, oh, this is a side that is. And again, it's like, I'm not trying to romanticize it or whatever. It's like, if this is some guy who's, you know, paycheck to paycheck or whatever, it's like, yeah, it's a problem. But I look at it as it's just... 
we just watched, we just talked about the Manziel doc yesterday, and it's like, he wasn't doing what Johnny Man. I mean, maybe he was doing what Johnny Manziel was doing, but that's not what the book is about. Huh. It's about his gambling, and it's just the thing, the other thing, which he has denied that I think is amazing in all this, is like, he went full Pete Rose. He tried to bet on the yeah. Ryder Cup. Now, Phil has poured cold water on this, and I think this is a... I think if I'm going to read between the lines here, that's a semantics argument of Billy Walter saying he tried to bet on the Ryder Cup and Phil saying I would never do such a thing. I might have quipped aloud to a room of people about, boy, I'd love to bet on this or I wonder what we could get or whatever. It's like, are, is that trying to bet on it? Is it wondering to bet well, on it? Like, I think there's some that's semantics. How, apparently that's not how it went down. Apparently he called Billy Walters, so I guess Billy Walters placed bets for Phil Mickelson because, of course, we've just entered yeah, yeah. a legal yep. uh, betting uh, mm-hmm. situation in Ontario, but also across different states and all that, and so, so on and so forth. But if he's doing this in 2012, he's doing this illegally. Uh, so he's calling Billy Walters, who's trying to get bets down for him, and apparently Billy Walters was the voice of reason who yep. said, you can't do this uh, and I'm paraphrasing yeah, just yeah. a little bit. So did not place the bet for him. That said, like if Phil Mickelson wanted to place that bet, which I'm sure he did, <laughs> he would have found a way. Well, and it, gamblers I, find a way. I mean, I guys is... who want action find a way. Money, like you, you mentioned it. The uh, the you know what the juice is. Just the exchange of money, winning it, mm-hmm. spending it. Uh, you know, whatever it's going to be, that's what gets Phil going more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I would be, I think anyone that would think, oh no, Phil separated church and state. He would never bet on uh, the game of golf is probably a little bit naive. Well, and the other part of it, and I don't know, maybe somebody out there can point it out to me. I guess the issue is, is policing it. But like, if we can take it all the way back to Pete Rose, if he was betting on the team, he was managing to win who cares isn't that what he's trying to do anyways like if phil had bet the exact spread mm-hmm. on the Ryder cup and it's like oh, i think it's gonna be three and a half points or whatever it is and all of a sudden oh his back goes gimpy on his sunday singles match yeah then okay but if you're just betting outright for like again like like i'm not gonna mention any current athletes because i don't want to taint anybody with this but it's like the idea of athlete x is gonna go out and give their all hmm I'd like a little extra spoils on that. I've never understood why that can't be a thing. I guess the issue would be policing it and going both ways. But honestly, I've never I've never understood that. Because what do we think happened there? Do we honestly think? And I mean, because if Phil was going to throw the Ryder Cup, he wouldn't have been betting 400K on it. He would have been betting way more than that to secure the biggest payout possible. So I'll be honest. Like when I saw that story, I'm like, yeah, it's just ads again. It's just more to the Mickelson we know. And it's very much a... Like, I see both sides of the issue because, again, it's like we watched that Jordan doc and we revere him and there were things people didn't like. But one of the things we all loved is like, I just God, he just needs the action at all times. He's like flipping quarters with his security guard in the hallway because he just needs a little taste. And clearly Phil is that guy. It's that's this is why athletes feel larger than life like sometimes you see these nba players walking into the arena and you're like god what are these guys wearing i can never pull it off yeah you could not pull it off these guys are extra these guys are like extraterrestrials they're aliens in all walks of life phil mickelson is one of them and it's like yeah 
this is how he operates in his world. So I think it's an awesome peek inside of it. The numbers are definitely staggering, but not surprising. I think it's kind of where I ultimately fall on it. Yeah, I think you'd probably be pretty surprising if you just five bucks your way to a pretty big number in total bets over yeah. the course of your like minor league betting career totally. or very, very minor league betting career. Like it can add up. Totally. And for a rich man putting down 110K on games with regularity, uh, yeah, you're going to get to that number despite it being uh, a ridiculous number. Just on the point of like golfing or betting on golf. Like, let's say the 2012 Ryder Cup, he doesn't get a bet down with uh-huh. a bookie, a sports book, whatever you want to call it, with old Billy Walters. He can't get that bet down with Billy because Billy, he's on the up and up, despite, you know, the insider trading and the jail time. Going to the clink. Yeah. Um, but, like, let's say him and Sergio have a match in the Ryder Cup sure. head-to-head, and Phil approaches him, which he's probably does every single round <laughs> with who he's playing with, yeah. and says, $400,000, you versus me, or USA versus yeah. Europe, you and me. And Sergio says, yeah, let's do it, bud, because I got the same problems you have. What is the difference? And and you can't police that. And they certainly don't police that because you have Phil and Bryson talking about it on a live content piece that they're wanting to share. So I will say the tour now, the influx of gambling might have changed this. The tour has the PGA tour I just mean like the PGA tour proper has always been a little hesitant about because you know, yeah, they'll live, cook that video up. And I mean, they didn't have to twist either of those guys' arms to go gamble on a golf course. Clearly that's something yeah. they do, but that's what Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and all those guys do in their practice rounds is they're all gambling. They're playing games with each other. And sometimes it's, you're playing a hole. Sometimes it's closest to the pin. Sometimes it's a putting contest, whatever it is, but the tour is always kind of shied they're, away from They're that. obviously not going to advertise yeah. that. But I do think there's a difference between doing it. Like, I don't think these, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I'll throw two Canadians at you. It's like if Nick Taylor and Corey Connors, two guys who are friendly with each other. It's like they get paired up on a Saturday or a Sunday. Sunday this week at TPC Southwind. I don't think they're throwing any extra juice on it. I think they're just going to go play their rounds because they probably want to focus on that. But maybe a guy like Phil Mickelson or definitely a guy like Phil Mickelson wired a little differently. The other thing about this too is like the 2012 Ryder Cup was in the States. They were obviously going to win. So yeah, I'm just uh, not surprised. Didn't they lose? Or Oh yeah, that was the uh, the miracle there. He was was saved the 400 He was. Yeah, <laughs> which is, his boy uh, Billy, which I'm sure. I mean, he probably lost four hundred thousand dollars on that betting in various ways. But yes, obviously, you don't want. I think the extent of it is fine. Like it's okay. We're playing two grand for this round. Uh-huh. I mean, that's nothing between these guys. Yep. Who's playing for the private bird? Uh-huh. We're taking home. That's probably what you have. But if there's four hundred thousand dollars between friends, yep. and all of a sudden there's no payment, that's when there's going totally. to be issues. So they probably have to keep things at bay. But you're right. There's only a couple guys, and I mentioned Sergio. Like I don't expect anyone, including Sergio, to be taking Phil Mickelson well, get- up on four hundred thousand dollar bets. And no one wants to play in his in his sandbox, yep. and that's yep. why he had to go yep. other places to try and put these bets down. Well, it, again, it's like it's just such a part of the culture of the sport at that level. Like in the Netflix full swing doc, they just show, I wasn't sure exactly what game they were playing, but it was just Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. They were just picking cards out of a deck and a guy would like yell a number or a, or a suit of card. And it's like, they're just handing hundred dollar bills back and forth between each other. The way you or I would bet a coffee on something. And it's just, that's the way these guys operate. And like you said, it's like, yeah, if you go add up, you know, you or I or anybody else out there who likes to throw five bucks down, go add up all of the money you've won or lost. And no matter how good you are, it's not as good as you think. 
it would be a pretty staggering amount. And that's for it would us. be more than you're comfortable with. For sure, with. exactly. Of course. Exactly. Like, oh, that's a big number. And so it's no it's no surprise to me that that's where these guys wind up at it. And honestly, I think I'm not going to say this is like Actually, no, I am. This is good for Phil Mickelson. At this point, this is his brand. This is who he is. He's the squash buckler. He's the Saudi lover, even though he hates them and is going to say all the terrible things to Alan Shipnuck and then says, don't tell people I said that. This is who he is. He has to lean into it at this point. Like, he made his choice and made his bed to kind of diverge. Like it, it felt like forever. It was just going to be him and tigers, the two stewards of the game. And they were going to hit the ceremonial tee shots at Augusta. And I suppose the book isn't totally, totally closed on all that, but Phil chose a different path. And a lot of it was because of his gambling losses that he was driven to Saudi Arabia. But I think what we know about Phil, that even if he was winning, he would have said, great, this is the financial pool I'm in. I need even more money to make it feel real to me. So that that's where I fall in it. And honestly, I think it's sounds like a crazy thing to say. And I'm sure there are people out there rolling their eyes at this, but it's like, I feel like this story is awesome for Phil's brand. I really do. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, save for the Ryder cut. Like he, Phil did have to come out and say, uh, he would never undermine the integrity of the game. Uh, I don't know if he does that uh, daily on the golf course, if you want to put it that way, but uh, that's not really undermining the integrity of the game, having some money between nope. friends on the golf course. It, it is interesting to me that, you know, Tiger and Phil were uh, probably the greatest rivalry in golf. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I think so. Definitely the two biggest stars in golf over the last three decades. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's correct yep. as well? So like these two guys who clearly went head to head, but it was, you know, Tiger, you know, feeding him his lunch most yeah. of the time, but Phil obviously had an amazing career. It was a, just, I'd say a, a solid 80-20 rivalry. 80-20 yeah. sounds about right. But the two players of the last three decades, both being deeply, deeply flawed in individuals. I mean, I don't want, you, you, know, yep. you don't have to compare them. You don't have to go 80-20 on no, that. No, I'd like to Although compare 80, them, actually. 80-20 might actually be right in terms of flaws, but uh, these guys were, like, you mentioned 43 bets in a day. If I have a big gambling day, like mm-hmm. if I'm just deciding on a Saturday, like I'm it's slug yeah. mode and yeah. I don't want to do anything but try and sweat some bets mm-hmm. that are going to do amount to, I don't know, a hundred dollars yeah. in total rather than one billion. Um, you know, I'm distracted. Right. And mm. these two guys who had all the distractions in the world uh, in 2011, 3,154 bets made by Phil Mickelson of in excess of one hundred ten thousand dollars mm-hmm. each. If that was your reality, how would you not be so unbelievably distracted from what you're doing? And I don't want to say it's like impressive that they were able. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. Tiger's story, somewhat impressive on the athletic standpoint, for sure. But the fact that these two guys were what they were, but had what they had going on behind the scenes it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, like you said, some guys do need the juice to wake them up. Like, I remember I was playing, I went out to Alberta, I played in this golf tournament, we're playing a practice round the day before, and there's a guy who was a much better golfer than me, and we weren't, like, playing a match or anything, but it was just kind of like, we were joking, like, oh, wow, we're even through four holes. And then a buddy of mine said to this better golfer, like, hey, let's go closest to the pin for a beer. And it's like, he immediately put it to an inch. It's like, some guys just need that to lock in. In terms of the Tiger and Phil thing, I mean... And I want to be clear, like, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just basically asking for the grace. Like, maybe I've forgotten something about Tiger Woods. But the only thing I look at him and really like, hey, man, how dare you? 
is the driving under the influence stuff. Like he could have, I mean, he did oh. severely hurt himself. He and look, the, the adultery. No, is, no, no, no. Here's the thing. I've, I've long made my point about this. It's like that's between him and his family. Like I'm not going to sit here and hold up the virtues of Tiger Woods as like a great guy, uh, as like a great guy. But in the grand scheme of mistakes you can make in your life, like. Think of all the bad people have done. No, no, no. This this one this one irks me. Think of all the bad people have done in their life, in the game of golf specifically, and only one guy has got dragged to Augusta for a press conference to apologize to his mother and to America, and it was Tiger Woods, okay? Well, like, well there's only one Tiger Woods. There's only one Tiger Woods, but there's a lot of other, like, hey, hey, you, th- like, you think Jack Nicholson was always the, the, the picture of virtuosity? I bet you he had some skeletons in that closet, okay? <laughs> like, you'd look at it. All these guys throughout history, what do we know? about people generally speaking from the 50s or 60s it's like oh go ask a question maybe there's some questionable moments in their life that's all i'm trying to say so i don't like i understand people who look at that and say hey that's a bad person i'm never going to give them the benefit of the doubt that's fine you want to have that judgment on them but i actually look at them kind of in a similar way it's like these two actions are really only hurting these guys and their families. Like Phil Mickelson and his gambling addiction, clearly, I think it's pretty safe to say we all got wives out there. And granted, we don't make the money Phil Mickelson does. I don't think many of them would be thrilled to find out we'd been betting the equivalent of 150 bucks on a game all the time. And most of us aren't making 100 grand a year. Tiger Woods, it's like, say what you will. And again, the driving under the influence stuff, completely different. That could severely kill, that could kill someone severely injure that is not a joke he should be repent for that but the adultery stuff it's like that affects him that affects his kids that affects his family that is all terrible but that affects his little orbit and he should deal with that in his orbit and that's kind of how i look at mickelson with the gambling stuff Ryder cup aside obviously Uh, i think it can reverberate just uh just to quickly counter because we don't have to go you know too far down the adultery well Uh, i think it can reverberate a little bit beyond uh, immediate family um but i think the fact is they both had an addiction and they both played amazing golf through their own individual addictions i think tiger probably had a couple addictions i think uh you know sex might have been one of those addictions uh but for phil it's pretty clear it's just the plenty worse things to be addicted to gotta say (laughs) sure sure there are plenty worse things to be addicted to uh but addictions nonetheless interesting uh, you mentioned manzel because i think one of the most interesting shots of that entire doc is at the end where it's like hey johnny looks like he's doing well now and he's kind of sitting on that chair swirling and Mm -hmm. spinning estella artois and it kind of like it reminded me of phil in that okay so phil has cooled things down, or at least he says from a gambling mm-hmm. perspective. But yeah, we just saw him and Bryson get real excited about the possibility of one of them winning money off the other one, albeit probably low stakes in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. especially when you're playing for money that belongs to Saudi Arabia. But it's like, uh, most of these stories is like, okay, clean, never do it again, right? Like, that's yep. that's kind of what you're selling in a lot of these docs, a lot of these stories. And these guys at least have maybe found a way to manage their vices a little bit, or that just being overly hopeful and Phil is still really literally looking for those thrills and Johnny Manziel is still partying. I think this is a thing like again like this is obviously the highest level of it the the pinnacle of it but man there there are people at your job right now who drink more than you would expect and like I'm not calling I want to be clear about throwing shots at anyone here but it's like you will meet people in all walks of your life and it's like you get a little more insight into their life and it's like whoa 
that's how you live, man. Like I joke about my diet all the time, but honestly, I think if like my coworkers looked at what I ate for a week, they would put me in a hospital. They'd be like, guns, you're going to die in a week. Like, and I just think there is some, there is something to that. The idea of like, we don't know about these people. And obviously, again, I want to be clear, like this is a completely the highest level of it possible, but it's like, there are people who live like this in all walks of life where again, it's like, I'm going to use drinking because it's kind of the easiest one where it's like, you drink how much every night you drink how much every week and you just show up to work every day and it's a okay like happens all the time in this world yeah and it's you get what they're trying to sell you too i mean with i guess they're not trying to sell a completely clean image with johnny manzel because you see him with his boys and you see him drinking a beer at the end of the thing but they're Mm -hmm. trying to say hey johnny's okay now or at least it seems and with phil they're uh, you know one guy's trying to sell a book so maybe he's exaggerating uh, what the Phil reality really was, but you're getting one side of the story. If you or cut you're it getting, in half, it's still crazy. It's still, it, is, <laughs> it is still pretty crazy. Uh, and, and I guess we can deduce that he's a pretty bad gambler because a hundred bill, uh, 1 billion in bets. Like, let's say you had a $500 million payroll yeah. or bankroll. You bet through that twice and you end up with $400,000. He has a net loss of hundred thousand. That's, that's not very good. It's even not if, even good. if you're just loading up on just five bucks, uh, you're going to lose some money good. with that sort of ROI. Uh, should we get to the Blue Jays? Yeah, let's do it. So, you know, split in Cleveland. Uh, I, I'm uh, more bemoaning the loss uh, earlier uh, in, in the series than last night or yesterday afternoon because uh, Alec Manoa, you never know, know what you're mm-hmm. going to get. And you got struggles from Manoa because he's just completely unable to capture and build on momentum like the same things apply they're lesser than Mm -hmm. but the same issues still apply for Alec Manoa where he can't uh stay in the strike zone as long as he needs to he can't get you to bite he wastes pitches 93 pitches over four plus innings like that's too much it indicates something's wrong it indicates that you're not really fooling anyone and of course Manoa got sent down to the Florida Complex League earlier this year because he could not get anyone i thought you were breaking news to be the sport i'm like okay it wasn't that bad last night well i i kind of i i, I, I want to go there i i one thing that's bothered me the most about this storyline uh all-star game it's just like oh yeah you see him on a boat on instagram and it's fine if you're off you should oh. you know have fun i'm not really that's not really on manoa in my set in my opinion but if you're the Blue Jays and he just came back against the Tigers, that was the one start, right? Yep, and then you go that was to the a good one. Like, why not try to, hey, we saw some good things here. Let's continue to build and build and build because we've got to get you ready for September. And no, he just had the week off. And if you're a major leaguer, you get the week off. But they have the option to not make him a major leaguer whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. And they have two off days next week. And they could erase the Manoa start from the ledger if they want to, or they can push everyone back and we can have Gosman on eight days rest or whatever it's going to be because you're running a six-man rotation. I guess Hunjin Ryu's status. uh, We'll pitch this weekend. We will pitch this weekend. So we do know that it's going to push everything down. And if I have that opportunity to skip a Manoa start and have him start somewhere else where it does not matter, where it does not uh, affect the standings and the race with the Seattle Mariners, who are suddenly a game and a half back, have the same amount in the loss column, could catch you with their own schedule remaining, and they hold the tiebreaker. I mean, I, I, I you can't take you can't just put him out there because it's Alec Manoa and he was your opening day starter and all that stuff. I would love to see them send him to the minor leagues, have him start a game and see if you can continue to work on and build towards getting back. Because clearly it's like he's just he's not an uh, he is an unfinished product. He's something that he is. uh, He's a pitcher right now. 
that mechanically is trying to find it, can find it in spurts, can find it in moments, moments, maybe innings at bats, but he is not, he's not been able to routinely do the same thing over and over and over again. In order to get to that point, he needs to start and he probably needs to start at a level that doesn't involve a really hotly contested race for the final wildcard spot in the American league. I would love to see them take this opportunity to have him pitch elsewhere. I just don't think they will ever do that because that's just not the way the blue Jays have been operating. I agree with that with one caveat. Can I see what Hyunjin Ryu looks like before before we make that, you can a, still skip it. It's I'm saying one stop. I think that ten days down. There. I I think that if you demote if you demote him again, he's gone for the year. So but you can't go into it's a demotion. I don't it's, think you can go into it open ended. Like if he, I genuinely think if he leaves, I don't this think it's open ended. But if he leaves this roster. He is done for this year. You cannot bring him back up again. This cannot be but a go down, work on some things, no, come no. back what up. I'm, what I'm suggesting is not, hey, go down there and figure it out. It is go down there and pitch once and come back this exact day that we have on the schedule. No questions asked because we want you to just throw the ball in routine because you need to get your routine down. You need to get reps. You cannot... Pitch every pitch, you know, take two days off, pitch seven every seven days and expect to have it. You need to get on the mound. You need to get on the mound with regularity. Rest is not what Alec Manoa needs. Starts and routine is what Alec Manoa needs. I hear what you're saying. The thing I would say about that, though, is that he what Manoa is struggling with, because I would feel differently about this. If you heard, man, you look at how he's throwing in the side sessions and everything is crisp. Everything was great. Then he gets in the game and it's just different. Like, I don't know about you. I was always terrible at taking tests. I would sit there right before I'd be doing all the my, my practice. I'd be like, hey, this is great. And then the test would come. My brain would just freeze. That's not what's happening with Alec Manoa. From all accounts that you're hearing, what you're getting in the side sessions is what you're getting in the start. So I think you can just, if if you have any designs on Alec Manoa, forget meaningful innings, just pitching, taking up a spot in the rotation because you need the body and you don't like Mitch White, or maybe you do like Bowden Francis. I can hear that argument. But if you think you're going to need Alec Manoa at any point in time this year, and I don't mean the version we dream of. I just mean the warm body that is Alec Manoa that gave you four innings yesterday. I think you have to keep him on this team. And that can be basically having him pitch a simulated game at the major league level. Like they got mounds there. There's room. He can work. He doesn't need to go away to do it. I just think the mental aspect of him going away and going back to the minor leagues and whether the team can call it whatever they want, but we're going to call it. And in his heart, it's going to feel like a demotion. And that's why I think you've got to keep him there. If it was, if it was a case of him freezing up in the game, then I would agree with you. Game reps is what is needed, but I don't think that's what's happening. It is just a guy who's not sharp. And I got just as much faith in Pete Walker and his band of merry men as I do whatever's going on in the Florida Complex League or wherever they would send them. Yeah, the, for me, the tools don't get sharpened by sitting around. I mean, if it is just simulating a game, uh, something greater than, you know, a side session or what you do between starts, I would be okay with that. I just want him to put the work in because it seems like if you're going to sharpen tools, you got to, you know, actively try to sharpen them for me. I would. And again, like I want to be clear. I don't expect him if they sent him down to New Hampshire or Dunedin or wherever it would be. I don't expect him to dog it. But if the worry is, and I'm not even saying that's what you're saying, but if the worry is the work and putting in the work, I would want him right under my nose. Because if I like, again, if I'm Alec Manoa, the 
first thing I'm going to do is at the very least, and again, I don't think anyone has accused him of not trying to work through this. It's They've accused him of it not working, but I don't think this is a lack of work ethic thing. But if you want to make sure he is keeping his nose to the grindstone and doing everything he needs to do, I would think the best place for him to audition that is right in front of all the people making that decision. Yeah, I kind of disagree. I think you can half-ass uh, a bullpen session. Uh, I think you can go into that without the same intensity and the same possibility of getting shelled by lesser talent. Uh, if you're playing at a triple A level and you go in there without preparing properly, uh, you're going to get embarrassed. And confidence is a big thing, I think, with Alec Manoa this season. It's part of well, it. Well, that's why I don't think you uh, can send him down, though, because of the confidence. So thing. go beat them. And if you can't beat them, what use do you have to us this year? That's that's kind of where I'm at on this. I like, think we are at the point where you have to make decisions soon, and he is the sixth best starter well, on this team. And that's why I'm saying and we've seen Hunjin Ryu twice. Well, that's why I'm saying I and. I need to see more than two outings. Like we're, we're massaging I saw ego one, now. I saw the, one bad outing from Hanjim Ryu, and I saw one where he was good, and then he got smoked on the knee. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's in his late 30s. He hasn't pitched. So until... who are you more confident in right now, Manoa or Ryu? No. Like, the answer, honest no, to goodness, who, who? is no. I am you, not. Water I, gun to your head. Who are you picking? I Make it a real gun and just take me if those are my options, honestly. Like, <laughs> I do not feel confident about either of those guys. If Ryu goes out and has an outing that looks pretty similar to the one we saw before he got hit, and I don't mean hit hard, I mean literally hit on the knee, Mm -hmm. then this is a completely different conversation. I just saw Alec Manoa have his mirage start against the Tigers, and then it completely turned into pixie dust. So I would just like to see, can I see Hyunjin Ryu have two decent outings? And the the last one can count. I just want to see one more, and then I am more on board with you. But I think you got to be careful about, like, Again, like I don't. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't expect it to happen. But if if Hyunjin Ryu's back goes funky, or you know he just can't hack it, that's not going to be earth shatteringly surprising to me. No, so that's and, and that's the only thing I'm saying is like let's get Manoa. through this weekend with Ryu and see where we're at, and then I can actually I could be very on board. That with is this fair, and I'm not t- I'm not saying, and I'm not suggesting to discard Manoa. I'm suggesting that he needs to continue pitching every fifth day uh, because that's probably the only way he's going to get the routine and the repetitive nature of pitching down because it seems like he's lost. Uh, that part of his game. Despite this conversation, uh, the most annoying thing, I think, from the game and from the series, because the Jays only scored seven runs total in the series, 13 combined runs, by the way, the third fewest across a four-game set in the history of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Yeah, uh, more struggles with running runners in scoring position. They were five for 13 with runners in scoring position last night, uh, but two of the the hits didn't drive a run. One didn't even advance a runner. Uh, They just... When it matters, okay, maybe you're getting the hits now or you're getting some hits, which is an improvement. But these hits, um, they're not advancing very far in the outfield. They're not scoring the runs that you need because the Blue Jays continue to have issues. And really, if you look at the unbalance, the four-game series with a Guardians team that is bad, they figured out a one-total pitcher. pitcher. And hell, De Los Santos was the only dude who got touched up. He was the only guy who came into the ball game or ball games for the Guardians who had any sort of trouble. Everybody else on that Guardians pitching staff that saw the Blue Jays over the course of four games essentially had their way with the Blue Jays offense, which is, yeah, the Guardians, if they do anything good, if they do anything well, it's pitch. It's still not overly encouraging that an entire staff, with the exception of one pitcher, 
kind of got the best of you. Somebody just hit a ball hard, hit something in a gap. Like, I'm tired of these bleeders. I'm tired. And it's like, yes, okay, they finally, the numbers are turning around. But you don't need a little squibber of a knock. with. No, you need somebody to hit a ball hard in a gap somewhere. Rip something down the line. Like, make something happen in one of these moments. Like, again, it's like Vlad, he gets a double the other day. It's nice. But wouldn't you just, like, what happened to these scorching line drive singles even? You're not even seeing that. It is so frustrating and the thing that is driving me nuts is it feels like groundhog day watching this team just every day you go out there and you get good to okay starting pitching somewhere in there the bullpen is probably going to be pretty good but then you're going to watch this offense and it's going to look the exact same that it does every day it is infuriating you could see it on springer when he watches that ball in the seventh and was it a bad call Sure, it was a bad call, but guess what? There's two it strikes. Wasn't that bad, though. Exactly. It's two strikes. It's right there. You got to protect. You put yourself in that position by getting to two strikes, and I don't want to make this about one at bat, but you just saw the frustration there of, oh, I'm playing with such a fine line, and I lost on the other side of it, and that's mm-hmm. what they've been doing for too much of this stretch. So, yeah, it's infuriating. I do not know how many more times you could sit here and bang our head against the table talking about this. Yeah, very little sympathy, honestly, for me, for Springer uh, in that moment because we just saw the previous day uh 13 pitch at bat that resulted in a home run that was the difference in the game what were you doing with two strikes you were pres- you were protecting the mm-hmm. strike zone he abandoned that strategy and he got running up for it uh in that moment and yeah i, I mean this team for that reason or not i mean springer side just the fact that they scored seven runs over four games i think you're gonna live to regret not adding another bat like it's pretty clear oh yeah but like the way that game ended, and not every game is going to result in Springer being ejected and Danny Jansen leaving uh, because he hit, hit by a pitch and Bo Bichette not being available, but they ended that game with a lineup or a defense mm-hmm. that included Dalton Varsho, Nathan Lucas, Kevin Biggio, Paul DeYoung, and Davis Schneider in the field. And you're looking at that, and the graphic comes up, and I'm like, we're expecting a team that empl- not these aren't the starters mm-hmm. but employs all these players they're all on the active roster this is part of it mm-hmm. we're expecting them to win the world series i look around baseball and i i just, that that seems totally far fetched to me yeah i mean i don't i don't know what to tell you i feel like all year long i've been kind of banging the drum that i have big time concerns about this team and again i i i want to be clear not to jump to uh, i don't know jump to an exaggeration here but any team is going to struggle when they have their best or when they're without their best hitter and it's not just their best hitter Bichette is one of the better hitters in the american league if not baseball but losing one guy cannot cause everything to fall apart and guess what it didn't when Bichette was here, we were just saying all of the same stuff, but going, but not my sweet boy, Bo. None of this applies to him. Like, it has been a year of this stuff. Really, it's been two. If you go back to last year, the only difference was Bichette was struggling at the beginning of the season as well. So yeah. I think you look at it, and this is a team that in – this is a team that if everything goes right, if everything goes according to plan, I actually can see it. It's like I can close my eyes. I got to put on – I guess it doesn't matter what color the glasses are if my eyes are closed, but I can put on super rose-colored glasses and look at the vision of like, okay, Gosman gets the ball. He's great in game one. Barrio shuts down in game two. Then you got Kikuchi. You got Bassett. You got this lockdown pen. It's like Vladdy. There's still some of that in there with him. Bo is going to continue to be the guy. Springer is the guy we've seen in 
very, very small spurts. I can talk myself into it. Belt gives you good at bats, but that's if everything goes perfect. And I haven't talked myself into the bottom half of the lineup yet. And that is the thing I keep coming back to. We have spent so much time. We're going to do it later on in the show talking about 2015 and 2016. Go look at who was hitting six and seven in those lineups. And yeah, one year it was Chris Colabello, and that feels like not that sexy a name. But at the time it was, okay? It was a great bat to have in the lineup. It's six or seven. And now go look at who's hitting, forget six or seven, four or five for this Jays team on any given night. And sometimes it's Dalton Varsho, and that kind of tells you everything you need to know about where this team is. Yeah, the margins, uh, despite whether or not they have success, are going to be so thin. And I think they've welcomed those thin margins. And maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe they can win a bunch of one-run games low-scoring games, tightly contested games. Maybe the bullpen is the difference. Maybe the, all those things are true, um, but the margins could have been a little wider if you were a little bit more aggressive when you had the opportunity, and I, and I feel like it was a missed opportunity ahead of the deadline. Okay, so the uh, beginning of the FedEx Cup playoffs yesterday, quickly here, Jordan Spieth with the lead at TPC South, win with a 63. Tom Kim, one shot back. Anything stand out from you uh, from a very uh, wet Memphis track. Uh, shout out. I was going to save this for the golf show. Sneak it in here, by the way. Golf show coming up after fan morning show today, 9 to 10, me and Sam McKee. Shout out mm. to the shout out to the agronomy crew there. The grounds crew did a great job sopping all the, up all the moisture. The actual big takeaway for me, though, Jordan Spieth. Like, I'm not going to pretend I love it, but having the golden boy in the mix, it gets American golfers, golf writers, and golf fans. They just... They love him. He's their sweet prince. So anytime more people are sucked into it, I love it. Spieth being in the mix and in an awesome spot in the playoffs heading into uh, the BMW next week. I, I I think it's awesome. I think it's a, as good a leader as you could ask for, for sure. A busy show today. Lots of Blue Jays content. Lots of former teammates of one Jose Bautista who will be upgraded to the level of excellence tomorrow uh, with the Chicago Cubs in town. Jay Happ at 7. We caught up with him yesterday. Josh Donaldson at eight, John McDonald at eight twenty, and we'll talk about the Cubs and Blue Jays with Jesse Rogers of ESPN at eight thirty. Mike Mayock at seven thirty. A busy, busy show today. Uh, but Gunner teased it. Why did the Durham Regional Police arrest a fourteen-year NFL veteran? You'll find out on the A list. Sportsnet five ninety. Now it's time for hey, the A list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. All right, so uh, former NFLer Buster Screen has been a bad boy in the Durham region. Just taken from our banks. Durham Regional Police said uh, arrested Screen, 14-year NFL veteran, who, by the way, very apt football name, uh, yeah. at Pearson International Airport on Wednesday after learning he had made plans to travel back to the United States. Durham Regional Police Service said that he, Screen, had attended numerous financial institutions recently to legally obtain cash. They claimed as part of his scheme, Screen would identify himself as a retired NFL player, open bank accounts with fraudulent checks, and then obtain a portion of the dough before the check would clear. Why Durb region? Why Buster Screen? When you made forty million, are you doing this? How? Like this? This isn't like an elaborate scheme that's going to get a documentary uh, around it one day. But this is very, very random, and I want to know more. A pacifist bank robber, you know, didn't want to didn't want to go in there with uh, you know the finger under the under the shirt or anything like that. But I needed guns. to get some money out of this bank. I, you know what? I like. It's a smart-ish scheme in the fact that it was working clearly, like he clearly had got this going. The fact that he could also just 
walk into the bank like is he huge and that's why they say he's a former NFL player they're able to look him up I guess this is all part of it is he using his actual name while he's opening fraudulent I bank accounts so. he's saying like, he's an NFL player well, retired right. NFL well, player but that's what I'm getting at it's like does he is he just is he just huge and they walk in there and they're like yeah he's for, a quarterback so he's not that, massive that's what I'm getting at here so it's like he's got to be using his real name this is a terrible idea uh, generally speaking if you're going to commit fraud maybe don't Use your name. Not that I want to give anybody advice on that at uh, 6.52 in the morning here. But, yeah, just a, a wild story. The Durham region aspect of it is weird. Maybe he thought it was like some, like, back, he's like, ah, it's not Toronto. It's some backwoods part. No, it's all kind of connected. <laughs> but it's kind of like Manhattan, New York, all that. It's all becoming one big city here. So, yeah, uh, wild uh, crazy stuff, and yeah, it doesn't deserve its own thirty for thirty. But I'd love it to get like four minutes in broke part two. If yeah, they did I, that. I need an explanation. I need to know how he came up with Durham Region. I need to know. I <laughs> need to, to know get how Taylor Swift tickets. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Just He's just like, this. I need the dough. Uh, you might need to uh, commit some fraud in order to get Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> you need to commit something. You, actually, no. <laughs> it feels like people are having that success now. There okay. was uh, there luck. was a bit of a. Log jam, wait listed early on, but it feels like people are celebrating Let, me, let me tell Swift you where tickets. I'll be. Nowhere. You and I won't be there. Well, no, I just wouldn't even, like, I once walked out of a Jays game and I was so confused. I was like, is there a 30,000 woman bachelorette party happening in downtown Shrine? It turned out there was a Harry Styles concert that was just entering. Uh, so that was like, that was an experience in and enough. Uh, I will not be anywhere near Rogers Center, uh, November 2024, when T-Swift uh, comes rolling through. And Buster Screen won't be anywhere near a financial institution in the Durham <laughs> He'll region. He'll be near the clink, it sounds like. <laughs> because he's uh, he's in some trouble. 14 charges, including fraud and possession of property obtained by crime. Allegedly. Buster, you didn't have to do it? Maybe throw, we should maybe throw that in, allegedly. He was arrested. And charged with those. Okay. I, I don't... If you're charged with it, it's not alleged anymore. No. You're okay. charged. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm they just, have to prove it in a court of law, but you were charged. I with got it. my news teacher Paul Cross in the back of my brain, and he's going to be upset because he's like, "I would have actually taught you this." I'm just going to say alleged. There, Let, let's I feel attach. Safe. Well, let's attach allegedly to the entire yeah. first hour of the show. <laughs> that's and probably we'll be a okay. really good idea. It's on your QR as I, code. As I gave my, that's right. As I gave my uh, deep and passioned thoughts about Tiger Woods being allowed to do uh, kind of whatever he wants, other than drive drunk behind the wheel of a car. So yeah, there yeah. you go. All alleged. Uh, all alleged from Gunner <laughs> uh, so far this morning. Uh, busy, busy show. We'll kick off a, an impressive guest list with Jay Happ, who we caught up with yesterday to talk about Jose Bautista going up at the level of excellence. We will do that after the break.